Welcome to another edition of the New Hampshire Journal podcast. I am your host, Michael Graham, managing editor at nhjournal.com, where I know you're going every day to read our original reporting. You're following us on Facebook and Twitter. And of course, you've signed up for our daily newsletter. What? You haven't signed up for the daily newsletter? It's the number one newsletter in New Hampshire for politics. Go to nhjournal.com. And while you're there, don't forget to subscribe to our absolutely free uh, newsletter for $4.99 a month. It's, I can't explain it all right now, but it, it's, it's a brilliant, brilliant idea. Just go there, check it out. Also, check out jbartlett.org where you will find the amusing stylings of the president of the Josiah Bartlett Center for Public Policy, Drew Klein. Welcome to the podcast, Drew. You know, one day I'm just going to turn jbartlett.org into a joke site. It's just all jokes. <laughs> just be wait, wait, it's no not policy. already? If not, yeah. According I read your stuff. Enemies, I thought it was hilarious. It it's all a joke. You know what I like about your your daily newsletter? Nothing. Aside from aside from the fact that you cover stuff that nobody else is covering, is uh, I like the quotes at the top. Yeah, it's a great. You know, this, for those of you who don't have it, it, it's like summary of the most interesting political quotes of the day, and they're always interesting. That's, good That's well. Stuff. Thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate that, and uh, and the, the minions who work in it, I will spread spread the love around to them. So yeah, listen, we got to talk about treat. student loan debt, absolutely, but. Uh, I just asked you real quickly, a morning consult recent release, they, they do these quarterly polls of the senators and the governors, and they stopped releasing them publicly for a while. I don't understand weird, but for years, in fact, for the three years now, wow, I've been doing NH Journal. Governor Chris Sununu has always been you know, up at the top, usually number three, mm-hmm. four or five. This actually, this time he's down to number six. So I just want to th- throw this at you real quick and get your thoughts. Top three. Charlie Baker, Massachusetts, number one. Phil Scott, Vermont, number two. Larry Hogan, uh, Maryland, number three. 11 of the top 10 are Republicans. Meanwhile, the bottom 10 is dominated by Democrats. I think seven of the bot of the least popular governors yeah. are Democrats. Seven and even the, the, even the Republicans at the bottom are doing okay. Tate Reeves of Mississippi is 49 approved, 41 disapproved. Uh, Doug Ducey's the least popular Republican. He's above water. Why do you think it is that Republicans are dominating this list? And also that you know, Sununu and his fellow Northeast Republicans are jammed up at the top. Well, I mean, look, he, it, I don't know that I have an overall um, view that will explain everything, but I can say you look at the top, right? So it's um, Baker, Scott, Hogan, um, Jim Justice in West Virginia, and West Virginia is now a red state. But, um, you know, Sununu in New Hampshire is number six. Um, a lot of them are Republicans in blue states. Mm-hmm. They are capable administrators who get the job done. Uh, they're kind of they're Larry the Cable Guy Republicans, just get her done. There's <laughs> no no drama. I mean, look, Phil Scott and Charlie Baker are no drama administrator guys. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I think you can say the same about Sununu. He gets very excited about and passionate about issues, but you know, his his brand is look. He's he's administering it for the state. He's not, you know, a partisan firebrand. I mean, look at the redistricting issue. So, to me, what one of the things you can take away from this? I mean, Mike DeWine in Ohio is up there. Um, is that you've got capable administrators who are jo- doing a good job running government, getting the job done, and not doing it in a highly partisan way. So if you look at the most popular Republican in the country, the one who's supposed to be um, the, the heir to Trump, Ron DeSantis, right. he's got 56 approval. He's doing great in Florida, but he's mm-hmm. down in the middle of the list. <laughs> no kidding. Look at these, I mean, you know, it, he, he literally is right in the middle. 
Mm. Um, and then when you look at the, the Democrats um, that, that populate the bottom, you know, Tom Wolf in Pennsylvania. I mean, Pennsylvania, he's 46%. In a, in Wisconsin a, governor is at 45%. Uh, the Rhode Island governor is at 42%. <laughs> um, you, you see a lot of governors who don't have a reputation for getting things done. I mean, Doug Ducey in Arizona does get a lot done. Right. And um, he's you know, just he's trapped in a, little, a partisan yeah. a, in, inside the Republican Party state. fracture. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I have dealt with Republicans from Arizona in, on some inside <laughs> sources, and they are, they make, New Hampshire Republicans look sane. I mean, it's that bad. So, and I mean, <laughs> well, that I love, very, I mean they got a big, they, they, yeah, look, it's Barry Goldwater's Arizona. There's a certain wing of that party <laughs> that's still there, but also John McCain. Well, it's a weird. So state. I think I, I want to build on what you said. I think part of it that, that you've hit on a big part of it, which is that there's votes that you cast to send messages and it's kind of your, your cult, your, your place in the culture. Yeah, yeah. It's a marker. Are you a Starbucks person or are you a Dunkin' Donuts person? Mm-hmm. Other votes, you're like, okay, this has got to be done. You just got to get this done. And yep. this is where, you know, even though the Josiah Bartlett Center has been mocked by some people as kind of a green eye shade, bloodless, humorless organization. No, no. By the way, that's just me. That that's just no, me nobody. who says that. We but, don't get mocked. Um, but anyway, you know, but that, that people do that. It, while it's not exciting, you know, it doesn't make, you know, the Fox News breaking news sounder. It's something that a lot of normal people want is that competence. And also, I think that uh, Baker, Scott, Hogan, ha- and to a degree, Sununa, something else is going for them, which is that the voters want somebody not as crazy as their legislature. And mm, even Democrats yeah. in Massachusetts know that their Democrats are crazy. And yeah, so that's I mean, why they've been Phil willing Scott. to vote for somebody. And Vermont, Phil too. Scott, right. I, I mean, so the top two most most popular governors are Republicans in Massachusetts and Vermont. Mm-hmm. You could hardly get bluer. Um, and look, as you've said, you know, you can question whether Baker is actually a Republican. He's not. Um, he, he certainly takes on doesn't take on these big fights that uh, DeSantis would take on, but he knows the state. Um, so 74 percent and 72 percent. That's a whole lot of Democrats who are Absolutely. saying we like our we like our Republican governor. I think there's a. There's a clear message there. Larry Hogan's the same way to say, look, if you focus on actually just doing the job in front of your government, um, that, that's a path to popularity and it's a springboard to national prominence in a way that it might not be otherwise. Now, obviously, there's another take, which is, you know, fight, 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 Trump model, culture war and all that. And that gives you a lot of prominence. And when you're talking about winning a, a primary, that's probably going to go a very, very long way. Um, but if you're if you're not positioning yourself to run for president <laughs> and you want to be a successful governor, there's a clear model here. Uh, yeah. And I also think it should be noted that only one of those four could win a real live Republican primary with real live Republicans, which so yeah, that's, and he, and he <laughs> lives in New Hampshire. He lives in New Hampshire. Hey, Ed, so back to the, you know, want to put breaks on ideas and put breaks on policies, you know, of, of the, of you know, the, the Democrats who are on the farther left, you know, end of their party. I think the, uh, student debt issue is a perfect example. And so I was just wondering if you could talk a little bit about the math and moral hazard part of this. And then I have some thoughts about the politics of it. Oh my God. First so of all, why couldn't... are we talking about, it? we're talking about it because president Biden who's flirted with it off and on back when he was running for office, he said he was open to forgiving mm-hmm. up to $10,000 of uh, college debt He's now reportedly flirting with possibly wiping out all college debt. That would be ba- that would be as big a spending bill as the bipartisan 
uh, infrastructure bill, one point seven yeah. trillion dollars of government spending. I I can't think you could have a hard time devising a policy that presents your party as more out of touch <laughs> with the average American than canceling student loan debt. Right. So only only um, just over a third still of Americans are college graduates, about 30, 36% in the last um, study I saw. So you're talking about benefiting a tiny portion, uh, not a tiny, but, but you know, a third of the population, of the adult population. Um, and when you look at the math, so it's $1.7 trillion, $1.6 trillion. Um, one of the interesting things here, so I'll just go through a couple of points. One is, um, this is money that's owed to the government. It's so there's a contract there. Right. You, the government made the loans or or backed the loans, and then you have a contract to pay it back. So um, what the Democrats are saying is, if we, if the government does not collect this money from individuals who owe it to the government, the economy and those individuals will be better off. Is there a Republican analogy to that? Maybe tax cuts. <laughs> I just. I find it amazing that they can see this when it's on student loan debt, but not on taxes. But one of the big differences obviously is you contracted to borrow that money <laughs> for student loans. So um, because- and, and, and let me inter interrupt right there because you keep talking about the contract. So let me just mention, who's the contract with? It's with the rest of us because yeah. the government has no money. That's our money. It's That's not even, a, it's not a third. A third right. of Americans don't have uh, right. student loan debt. But it's not. It's a tiny fraction of Americans who have outstanding student loan debt and they owe it to their yeah. neighbors. You're ripping off your neighbors. Yeah, yeah. And, and unlike taxes, this money actually does belong to us. It is money that we lent <laughs> out as taxpayers to people who borrowed it with a contract to pay it back. That was the whole point. The government was supposed to get this money back. Unlike taxes, which are your right. money, yep. and the government's trying to take it away from you. So this is actually taxpayer money belongs to the public. Um, but here's just where it, I think it makes such a little sense, right? So um, it is an undoubted, every single economist, the Federal Reserve, everybody says this would benefit the well-off, the affluent, at the expense of the lower income Americans. And the reason is um, people who go to college make a lot more money yes. than who don't go to college. So the, the um, Social Security Administration looked at this a few years ago and the lifetime earnings, if you're a college graduate are about 2.2 um, .2 million, uh, depending on which way you look at it, it could be two, between 2.2, 2.4 million dollars. That's your lifetime earnings. If you didn't go to college, your lifetime earnings are about 1.5 million. So there's a 600 and some to $900,000 annual uh, or mm -hmm. lifetime difference in what you will earn. So we're saying, it's really sad that people borrowed at all this money and have $100,000 in debt. Well, they're on average, lifetime earnings are expected to be $600,000 to $900,000 more. So they're making more money to pay this back. Now, if they chose a bad major and aren't going to be able to pay it back because they chose a bad major, you know, that's not the taxpayer's fault. That's probably the government's fault for increasing um, this. Uh, system so that you you don't have to you can borrow enough to pay off a, an Ivy League tuition without any ability to pay it back, right? So and, if, and once again, in, interrupting in market, here, in, interrupting here to uh, point out that 
not only do college graduates obviously as a group make more money, but right now unemployment among all college grads, even ones with crappy, you know, Persian erotic literature degrees, 2%. There is virtually zero unemployment among the people who owe this money. You're working, pay your damn bills. But it's so the sob story, Liz Warren is all, um, you know, presenting all these sob stories about people whose life just got in the way, right? They couldn't finish college or, you know, they have these problems and they can't pay their debt. Um, Actually, that's a really, really tiny percentage of the people. So if you look at outstanding student loans, um, what's still out there, you haven't paid your loan back, the pool who would get their, their debt forgiven, what percentage would you think of that are in default? Uh, 500% based, based on uh, my <laughs> Like if you were Liz Warren, it'd be like 80, 90%, right? right. Um, the Federal Reserve study says 18%. But that's of people who haven't yet paid their loans off. But if you look at the total number of people who actually took out student loans, including all people who paid their loans back, the people who were ever behind in their payments, that's not even the default, that's just behind in their payments, was only 9%. So the, the 91% right. of people who um, borrowed, who are making payments, blah, blah, it just, it makes no financial sense to forgive this amount of money. Um, it, is, it is just a bizarre example of being in a bubble and being, you know, hanging out in policy groups and in your social circles among people who right. only are college grads and, oh, I struggle so much to pay back my loans. Well, that's not most of the country. No. And, and most people have paid off their loans or are yep. paying their loans or didn't go to college. That's by far and away the majority of people. And over at the uh, Committee for Responsible Federal Budgeting, Mark Goldwine told NH Journal um, that this is a way to transfer a lot of money to a very small group of rich white suburbanites. That's exactly right. That's who gets this money that it disproportionately goes to people who have graduate degrees like medical degrees and law, you know, law degrees and stuff where you have to have a, you know, a, a graduate degree. So that's tons. Of, they're the ones who are borrowing the hundreds, two hundreds, three thousand dollars. You want to make white people already wealthy, rich, give the doctor free money. <laughs> I'm sure he'll take it. So that's, you know, that's just number one. What the hell are you thinking? Number two is Americans, particularly independents, hate the idea of bailing people out. They hate mm -hmm. it. They, they, they pay their bills. Why can't you pay yours? And the, the idea that, uh, that the Democrats are going to walk into this buzzsaw that they're already looking at new polls out, you know, the end of last week, you know, showing once again, Biden is underwater by 30 points on the economy and inflation. You're going to go out and say, Hey, not only did we screw things up by giving away way too much money, we want to give away another one point, whatever trillion, to suburban white people. They're gonna love this. It is absolutely a political malpractice. And it also feeds a narrative of who, whose side are Democrats on? Someone goes out and commits a crime, stuff happens. Are you on the side of the victim or are you on the side of the criminal? And whether it's defund the police or bail reform, or whatever, Democrats look like they're on the side of the criminal. You know, uh, stuff happens with um, COVID. Are you on the side of normal people who want to go live their lives? Or are you on the side of that tiny fringe group of people who want to lock everybody down? It looks like Democrats who are pursuing lawsuits, even here in New Hampshire, are on their side. Why can't you just be on the side of the people who are trying to be responsible? And who are you on the side of this? Are you on the side of the responsible borrower, the person who didn't go to the expensive school and instead went to the lower cost state school or to a community college or an apprentice program? 
No, you're on the side of the snot-nosed, obnoxious, defund the police, sign-waving mask wearer who borrowed $93,000 to get a degree in, you know, uh, uh, gender-neutral architecture. And that's what the Democrats and, look like from this. And it, so this is obviously, obviously a payoff to Democratic Party voters. Mm-hmm. Like the more, the, the more highly educated you are, the, the, the more advanced degrees you have, the more likely you are to vote Democrat. It's a payoff, mm-hmm. just like um, shutting down, trying to close uh, char- charter schools yep. and block charter Great schools point. as a payoff to the teachers union, which donates like 99 and a half percent of their monies to uh, Democrats. It's a payoff. It's a political payoff. It's obvious that it is. And I just wish more people would sort of talk about the fact that the number one champion of this in the whole country is a Harvard professor. <laughs> like Harvard charges $54,000 a year. Their total costs are $92,000 a year. And she's blaming the government. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and in effect, she's right, because we have studies that show that the student loan programs Right. Have actually driven college costs up. Right. You have a shortage of spaces. You you stimulate demand. You're driving costs up. That's what's happening. And of course, this forgiveness would be inflationary in the economy. So it's just bad economics all around. You know, the, 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 the impact of this on inflation, people debate how big it would be, but no doubt about it. You suddenly dump $1.7 trillion that's supposed to be going back to the government out on mm-hmm. people, and it's going to add to inflation at a time when that would hurt. Also, can it's, I point out? That the woman who's complaining about the high cost of college gets paid more than three hundred thousand dollars to teach one class, yeah, one class yeah. for three hundred grand. Oh my gosh! And the last point on politics, as we wrap things up here, is uh, one of the arguments that I've heard people make is, well, you know, uh, the Democrats really need to energize young voters in November. They're really hurting. They need their base. This will jazz up their base. A uh, poll out just the other day from uh, Harvard, they, they do this uh, polling of young people. They do it on a regular basis. And interestingly, they found that only 38% of 18 to 29-year-olds support total debt cancellation. Now, a majority support something, but only yep. you know 38% support the total package. Well, that thing's interesting. But the, the other thing is, and you know this, Drew, it doesn't matter what you do in a midterm, young people aren't going to vote. Young people just are low-motivation voters. They are. Hmm. Who votes? People between 35 and 64 who hate this idea. They absolutely hate it. In fact, a majority of them oppose any break. They don't want 10,000, 50,000. Now, I would like to say that this is going to be a problem for Senator Hassan, but the problem I have is, as New Hampshire Journal has been trying to report for two years now, we don't know her position. Uh, I called her office working on a story about this in November of 2020, and the press person hung up on me when I asked the question. <laughs> so we've spent more than a dozen emails since then to Senator Hassan's office just asking, do, do you support, what do you support it? And I, I will, I, I'll send everyone to NH Journal for this. We have a uh, transcript. She was on an NPHPR radio show uh, last summer. And the caller asked her, hey, do you support 10,000 forgiveness, 50,000 forgiveness, all forgiveness? What do you support? And she has this long rambling answer. And at the end of it, it goes, so no specifics then? Because <laughs> she wouldn't answer the question. And Hassan goes, that's right. So there you go. So I don't know what her position is. I just know it's going to be tough for all Democrats if Biden does this. I think this is a political loser. In New Hampshire, it would be insane. They should all come out and oppose it immediately. They come out last week and oppose it. Said, look, this is, I mean, we- <laughs> 
most of your voters aren't college grads. Most of your voters, this is not, this is going to hurt, not help. Just as a matter of politics, right? You should come out and oppose it. I don't know why they're waiting. I, I don't know, because they have this theory about the base energized. They don't want to have another fight with President Biden. Uh, I, I, I have no idea. It is just it is one of those many amazing things where I think to myself, if you were thinking ahead, once again, regardless of what the policy is right or wrong, obviously, you and I hate it. But some some people love it, whatever. From a purely political standpoint, there's nothing, nothing was stopping Representative Pappas or Senator Hassan from being the Joe Manchins of New England the past two, four, six years. They could have been doing it the whole time. They could have been saying, look, mm -hmm. I'm a Democrat, yep. but, and they could have had this wide open space and really appealed to independents. And they just have chosen a different strategy. Now you see them scrambling. Uh, this, this is, I, pre I predict, uh, Drew Klein, you can hold me to this. In the very near future, we will get a clear definitive answer from Senator Hassan on this and she will oppose it. That's my prediction. Wow, that's pretty good. Model. So, but as a model, if you're looking at the New Hampshire Democrats in New Hampshire, in this mm -hmm. state, which is not fully blue, it's purple, and exactly. Governor Sinner is the most popular, uh, you know, to get back to the top of the podcast, maybe they could, there's a model in New England for doing this. It's the governors of Vermont <laughs> and Massachusetts. Exactly. It's so obvious. And yet they haven't done it. And it's just kind of perplexing. Well, it's all so perplexing, and that's why we turn to jbartlett.org for your brilliant insights on the issues of the day. Drew Klein, thanks so much for joining us here on the podcast. My pleasure. I'm Michael Graham at nhjournal.com. Once again, please sign up for our daily newsletter at nhjournal.com. Please share this podcast with your friends and do that rating stuff that all the other podcast people ask you to do that I never think about uh, asking. And thank you supporting uh, for supporting nhjournal.com, including those of you who have signed up for our $4.99 a month subscription to a newsletter you're going to get for free no matter what you do. So thank you again for that. Here, here at NH Journal, I am Michael Graham.